start a new transition, whether in parenthood, job transition, healing, or creating a brand new life. Be with us in Pantal Kalhor Transition Channel. PTSD Self Healing Show, Episode 40, Unraveling PTSD and Addiction, with Nancy Chaplin, Spiritual Response Therapist and Reiki Practitioner. Please subscribe to Pantai Kalho Transition Channel and order my book Rules of Change for the Better. Tune up your mood and transform your life to reach your biggest dreams. It's not really easy to confront the fear of losing a child and how you can recover from that trauma. There are lots of nice people here that help you go through this as they already gone through this trauma themselves. And here I have Nancy is known as exponential joy for she truly has learned to live an exponentially joyful life. Joy is her life. She's the founder and CEO of Exponential Joy. Nancy is a spiritual response therapist, Reiki practitioner, armotherapist, and light worker. She uses the many modalities of healing to help clear and balance your energies. Her purpose and passion are to help as many people as possible through her Make Your Magic Happen webinar series and guided meditation CD, which she, she will talk about it later. And she also have a very interesting story and I just want her to talk about it herself. Welcome to my show, Nancy. I'm Thank so you. happy to have you here. You know, I am so excited. I woke up this morning and I immediately began talking in my head as though I was talking to you. So it's like we've been talking all day already. And I, I really enjoy that. Um, Exponential Joy uh, began in 2011. And it began shortly after my daughter, Emily Joy, was killed in a boating accident. She was killed on August 26th of 2011. Her 10 years of life came to an end when the Sea-Doo that my son was driving with her uh, was hit by a boat. Emily was killed instantly. And Jarrett suffered massive concussion, smashed patella. His shoulder was ripped wide open. There was shrapnel from the accident inside of that. They gave him so much medication that if they would have given him any more, he would have gone into a coma. So it was, it was a real challenge to be able to navigate Jarrett through that. And, you know, it was the massive overwhelming trauma of this tragedy that was the, the catalyst to help me deal with the PTSD and stress of a really traumatic life. It propelled me into adrenal fatigue, um, a series of migraines, one of which lasted for 45 days. And I had those migraines for seven years. And that, I mean, the physical body, I'm now um, recovering from um, an ovarian cyst. So the doctor's monitoring that and, you know, we're, you know, we're praying for the best results with that as well. I'm, I'm always very, very hopeful. I never, ever 
even will speak of the possibility of and go down that rabbit hole. I, I just won't, you know, the list of my trauma is like a shopping list from hell. And even listing it now, as we'll do in this, um, it's, it's, <laughs> it sounds so awful, but you know, the work um, lasts for years and the journey to recovering your joy is a road less traveled. You know, it, it truly is. Not everybody is willing to do that. Yeah, I can see your spirit and the joy of helping other people. <laughs> That's oh, amazing. No, it, it is. It's truly a joy. And I resonate with so many different kinds of um, PTSD. I mean, the trauma of my life began as a young child with molestation. Um, it was, it carried forward as verbal abuse from a caregiver when I was only like four years old. My father and my mother separated when I was six, seven years old. And it felt like abandonment. It wasn't intentional abandonment, but it was the way that I grew that story inside of my mind. I thought my dad didn't want me. And that wasn't the case. My father was recovering from addictions. I didn't know any of that. Um, he began drinking when he was 12 years old. He's been sober for over 20 years. He was the one that helped me recover from my own addictions. Well, there's a family pattern. I mean, it is extreme. Every single one of my children, I have four sons, has gone through some form of recovery or is in recovery or is not recovering at all right now. And I accept all of that. I know that their recovery is theirs. I no longer struggle with codependency. Codependency was huge, huge for me. And that's what kept me in an abusive relationship for 25 years. That's wow. just the way that it works. I mean, I'm happy now. I'm the happiest I've ever been. Um, seven years is what we'll be celebrating in January. I am, I'm so blessed. I am so happy. And through everything that I've learned, not just through the traditional modalities of counseling, um, a wee little dabble into psychiatry because that was what was recommended. Someone thought I was depressed. Go see a psychiatrist. She said, uh, you're not depressed. You're sad, but you're no, by no means depressed. So we spent the next five sessions working on my career plan. It was really quite wonderful. I'm like, this is great. Um, you know, and I learned because I was raped at the age of 13, that so much of my trauma was through the rape trauma syndrome. And when I began to investigate that, I mean, I minimalized what was going on in my life. I pretended everything was fine. I told everybody that my life was fine for 25 years. It, I suppressed, oh my God, I suppressed so much. And I justified, I justified the, 
the repetitive behavior. My ex-husband and I were both addicts, though I was only an addict for 18 months. He was for much longer. Um, I, I don't know what his state now is in recovery. We don't have an amicable relationship in any way, shape or form. And sometimes that's for the best. Sometimes you need to end a relationship. Um, you know, um, there's a saying, um, don't let the door, you know, slap, slap you in the ass. And that's how our relationship is now. We're on other sides of the door, other mm -hmm. sides of the fence. We do not communicate. But I didn't realize that my constant flight, I would run away from situations. I would run, I would run, and I would run. And I didn't know that that was because of the trauma from when I was 13 years old. So your addiction started after the death of your child or oh, earlier? Oh, gosh, no. Um, my addiction began when I was 13 years old. Wow. I, started, I started like many addicts do. I smoked a joint with my friends. Um, and then two, and then three, my first boyfriend was a drug addict, not a drug addict. I repeat, sorry, um, a drug dealer. <laughs> Whoops. Kind wow, of a, what a life. <laughs> I, guess, I guess it was a bit of both. He smoked a lot of marijuana. I haven't spoken to him for a long time. That marriage ended because I was pregnant with twins and I lost them. I lost them the second trimester wow. of pregnancy. And he wasn't able to support me emotionally the way that I needed. I was very successful in my career and he accused me of sleeping with the boss to get promotions. So that didn't work. Um, it, my addiction grew with my second marriage. Um, I wanted companionship. So he used cocaine. I used cocaine. He used crack. Wow. I crack. My crack addiction was only for 18 months. Only. I mean, it was severe. And I remember the day that my son was with his grandmother. Um, I call her Oma because of my German descent. So um, he was with my mother. And I had scheduled a double sleepover. So he slept over Friday night and Saturday night. Sunday morning, I lied to not attend church so I could get high. And I knew at that point that I had gone too far. And mm -hmm. I stopped cold turkey. But when Emily passed away, I wanted to numb. I wanted to numb more than anything. But I was blessed to have a lady in my life who is still one of my dearest friends who did Reiki on me. She did wow. Reiki. And she did it by distance, which I didn't even know anything about. I mean, like, you're not even in the room. How is this working? Why am I seeing colors? And she just did it. She did it for me for over a year. My blessings are exponential. They truly are. I have so many incredible healers in my life. So the trauma... When did you... Uh, sorry, when did you... Uh, recovered co completely from addiction? I recovered completely from addiction in 1996. Um, my second child was born and I used once more. 
And then I took the can. So at that time, I mean, this is 1996. This is long before they had crack pipes. And I used a um, Coca-Cola or a Pepsi can as an inhaler. And um, I remember I had found it. Um, someone in my home was still using. And I tried it. And then I took the can and I smashed it. And you would never see a can that was not smashed in my house from that day forward. It was one of the ways that I recovered. Um, I didn't realize that the extreme anger and hostility, again, traced back to when I was 13 years old and raped because I suppressed, I suppressed anger. I wasn't allowed to be angry as a child. So it wasn't a healthy emotion for me. Good girls don't get angry. Good girls don't, good girls don't. And I always wanted to be a good girl. But my anger became, my kids called me Helga because I was so angry. And I'm blessed to have relationships, very healthy relationships with three of my sons. My um, fourth, which is my stepson, we don't talk often, but I would still categorize, categorize our relationship as healthy as it can be at this time, right? So uh, when your daughter born was born, mm -hmm. uh, you were still um, addicted or you, you, no. you were not? No, I was no. completely not addicted at that That's point. Perfect. Um, not, my daughter was born in 2000 and... Uh, 2000, 2001. Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, because she was, yeah. she was, she was 10 years old in 2001. 2000. Yeah. yeah. 2001. When you've got five children, the math gets a little bit complicated sometimes. Yeah. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So yes, you were so blessed. So after 2001, did you started Reiki and you start learning Reiki? I started learning things like that. I began with angel cards so I began to play with angel cards. I began to connect with my angels, but I wasn't in a supportive environment. Uh, my husband at the time said it was just nonsense, that that stuff doesn't work. And when you live with a person that doesn't believe, again, you suppress and you repress. So as our relationship began to deteriorate and crumble, I began my studies in other things because that's what gave me my support. I still had a strong faith. Um, I have a bit of a photographic memory. So I was able to recite Bible verses. And so I would quite often say the Lord's Prayer. Um, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. Those things just came off of my tongue naturally. And it felt really strange because I was in such a an unsupportive environment. I mean, we didn't talk about God or Jesus except at bedtime when the door was closed. <laughs> and it was, it was like my children's and my naughty little secret because their dad wasn't a believer. So. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, trauma sometimes losing someone like I, I also lost my aunt and uh, she was really close to me, like my second mom, because she was always with us, with traveling everywhere. I lost her. And um, trauma always, um, 
it's like a, a awakening calling you something in you gonna be broken and uh, i know it's so painful but sometimes we grow through pain oh we absolutely do yeah sometimes even in these traumas you may lose uh, lots of connections you may go depressed and you may never even recognize yourself after and you need some time to grieve you need some time for recovery you know yeah so for you how long uh, did it take to recover from layers it was layers and layers the first thing that i did is i became a certified yoga teacher um after emily's passing and that really helped me um begin to become a part of my physical body because I disconnected completely from my physical body. And what I mean by that is I could not be touched. If anybody went to hug me or touch me, I would immediately break down into tears and I did not want that. So the only person that I allowed to touch me was my hairdresser. She was the only one I would lay in her sink. She would wash my hair and I would weep. I would absolutely sob. So that was, you know, the love that I could begin to receive. Through yoga teacher training, the other students began to touch and manipulate the body. So I began to unfold, but I was always crying. And I remember the day we were sitting in a circle and the um, facilitator at the time, she was talking about attachment and non-attachment and everybody was talking about the things in their life that they were trying not to be attached to their shoes and their purses and all their material things so my friend her name is Claire she looked at me and she said Nancy will you share your story and I said no and she said Nancy I need you to share your story and I said um and I'm not going to. And she said, can you please just tell me? Pretend there's no one else in the room and it's just me. So I began to recite the story, very, very robotic. How um, many years after the death of your child? Uh, this was about two years after her years passing. After. Uh -huh. And um, I robotically told the story, you know, just like I was a news reporter. And I began to hear the other students weeping and wailing. And it just changed the entire, entire structure of the class. And we began to talk more openly about these things. Um, at the time, I was still wearing sunglasses. I wore um, a yellow, brown pigmented sunglass because of the trauma. Um, that helped keep my migraines down. Um, I used different colored papers, so the color therapy, so that I could read. I didn't realize how much trauma I was under. I wore those glasses, oh gosh, probably for four years. Um, I could not be in bright lights. I couldn't drive outside in the, in the snow. And I thought this was just normal. I didn't know because I never talked to anybody about my problems. Wow. So what, what did you feel when you share it for the first time for the um oh my gosh I, I i didn't realize how many other people there was a lady in the class 
and she had had three miscarriages, three tragic, tragic deaths of a child before a child is born. And there's a difference. There's an emptiness inside of you. Because I've lost two children before they were born, I can understand that. I, I didn't know how to even articulate that because how can you celebrate the potential birth of a child? And we became such a tight knit group of friends. I still have friends from that group. It's my, my family circle is very large and I'm not talking about my tight family circle. Um, I'm talking about my extended family circle and I still do yoga. I still do yoga almost every day. Um, sometimes I can't um, go forward into a forward bend um, depending upon my migraines, um, but I'll still do, I'm able to adapt my own vinyasa. I'm, I'm so very blessed and I practice all the other limbs. I mean, there's seven limbs in yoga. The physical practice is just one. There's so, so much more. Meditation, I do every day. That's Absolutely. perfect. So what do you do when you confront with triggers? Oh, when I confront triggers, for the longest time, the sounds of sirens or the lights, because when I came upon the scene of the accident where Emily passed away, the sirens were off and I just saw the lights. So that was part of the reason why I wore the sunglasses. Um, I would have to pull over whenever there was an accident and practice my breathing. Um, I would do tapping as well. Um, that was something that I also learned and practiced. Um, so I would tap on my uh, trigger points. I would tap, tap on my hand and go around and through. And I would pound on my chest. I would pound and pound and pound as the tears would stream down my face. And I had to calm myself down so that I could drive, but nobody knew this. I didn't speak of it. I was still very, very private. And it wasn't until I began um, to use Bach remedies that um, that began to ease because the Bach remedies helped me with my anger. What is um, this? I've never heard of it. Bach remedies are flower essences. Oh, so yeah. I Bach see the Remedy one you shared. <laughs> yeah, they've been around since 1920. Mm -hmm. And so I began to use them. I used them for about, oh gosh, 18 months to two years before I began to certify in that. Um, so I certified in that. I created um, a, a binder of spreadsheets so that I could help people understand the different flower essences that worked with the different soul um, imprints that we have. Because we come into this world with imprints. So one of my imprints was addiction. One of my imprints was abuse. One of my imprints was molestation. One of my imprints was abandonment and betrayal. I mean, I had a lot of imprints. So I needed to fully understand this. I've always been a very, very um, logical mind person. Um, and that was part of my problem. I was operating too much from my left masculine brain and not enough from my right feminine brain. So I'm, I work on both. Um, 
I'm extremely articulate and extremely knowledgeable, but that I use maybe 10% when I help people. That's just for my own research. Um, so I can help them with their questionnaires, so I can help them with their journaling exercises, so I can help them with their coloring. Um, so hang on, hang on. Uh, these, are they methods you use uh, for helping them? Can you uh, slowly um, talk about them? Certainly. The Bach remedies, there's 38 flower essences, and each one vibrates at a different emotional level. So for example, when it comes to fear, there's fear of known things, which is mimilus, fear of unknown things, which is aspen. So quite often when people are suffering from nightmares, they may be suffering from a nightmare of something that they know that they can, they can label. They're afraid of cats. They're afraid of dogs. They're afraid of losing someone that they love. But sometimes we have those night terrors that we don't even know anything about. That may be Aspen. It may also be one of the chestnuts because we may have anxiety for others. That's a fear. And there's seven sections that we go through. So quite often people will take rescue remedy when there's a trauma. Many, many people are familiar with rescue remedy and rescue remedy has five flowers in it. Um, Star of Beth Bethlehem, which is for trauma. Um, impatience, which is for impatience. Because when we go through trauma, we've quite often become impatient. Yes. We quite often daydream. Um, clematis is for daydreaming. Because dreaming about the future is a wonderful place to go when the present isn't so good. Or becoming nostalgic in the past when the present isn't so good. And Bach remedies just help level everything out for a month until you're done with them. You take four drops four times a day of the custom blend. And then within three to four weeks, we look at the formulation and my clients pick their own formulation. We go through a series of questions. Um, I don't tell them what they should do. I help them understand their own emotions. You also I, said about uh, something about journaling as well. Do you ask, okay. ask them to do journaling? Because I used to do journaling for my own PTSD as well. Yes, yes, lots and lots of journaling. And then I invite them to burn their journals. Um, following, following the moon cycles, they can either burn them um, or drown them, which is flushing them down the toilet. <laughs> they can tear them because sometimes we'll stay in the past for too long. We'll stay in that angry vibration for too long. And we have to let that go and send it up. Send it up to whatever that is for each person, whether that be a reflection of God whether that be a reflection of Allah, Buddha, Krishna, the great gazoo. I mean, whatever you need it to be. I call yes. it. Whatever one. you believe it. So what do you do the first time you see your client lose, lose her child? <sighs> I, allow I know it's not really easy. To be honest, I know it needs some recovery. You cannot go and treat somebody and in first place, yes. No, no, I simply allow them to share. 
Um, when I work with someone who has lost a child, they have 45 minutes of my uninterrupted time to tell me about what's going on in their lives. 45 minutes. That's it. And I am very cautious about the words that I say because when people would say to me, I'm sorry about your loss, that was an incredible trigger for me because you lose your backpack, you retrace your steps and you find your backpack. Yeah. When it's a child, when it's someone that you love, you can't trace your step backwards and find them. I'm sorry. That's one that doesn't help. And it, sometimes it aggravates people. Yes. So I'm here to listen. I simply listen. I behind, like it. behind me is Ganesh. He has two big ears. We have two ears and one mouth. We have two ears and one mouth. And then I offer suggestions. Um, in that 45 minutes, I simply offer suggestions. I sell nothing. I suggest essential oils that they can possibly use. I suggest trigger points that they can use because I'm also um, certifying. I've got a couple exams to write and I'm certified in reflexology. So I will suggest areas on their hands or their uh -huh. ears where they can put the essential oils, I simply suggest. Mm -hmm. We don't always get that free time with somebody. Um, there's more and more grief counselors that are offering that free time. But because I work with both grief and addiction, they quite often go hand in hand because we use something to numb, whether that be food, whether that be social media disconnection, um, it can be disconnection. Yes. It, there's so many forms of disconnection. Addiction's a big word, and not many of us like to say, Hi, my name is Nancy and I'm an addict. That doesn't resonate with everybody. Not everybody accepts the 12 steps because not everybody is Christ faith. So, what do you do if someone doesn't believe in Christ? Exactly. You have to come at it with a different angle, you know, and I didn't, um, I didn't resonate with Jesus after my daughter was taken from me. Um, I blamed him. Why do I wouldn't speak to him? Um, I refused um, anything that had to do with Jesus. And that lasted probably for two years. Um, I um, had some, areas on me where I had um, potential skin cancer. So my doctor removed about nine spots and one of them came back um, potential. Um, so there was a second cut taken. The second cut came back irregular as well. When he took the third cut and it became terribly, terribly infected and it was on my groin area, um, I remember dropping to my knees in prayer, please, please, I cannot have my children go through this. I was willing to go through cancer, but I did not want my children to have to go through that. And I remember going to bed and waking up the next morning and um, getting a phone call from my doctor. Um, it's important that you come in. Whew. So I went in, 
Um, and he said, I'm sorry to have caused you any concern. They were, everything is fine. Wow, that's miracle. And it it truly was a miracle. Um, It was two weeks later that my husband told me that he loved me, but he wasn't in love with me. Um, So I got another hit right then and there. But I knew, I knew at that time that I was fine with or without a marriage, with or without a home. Exactly. I like that. You know, that's it. No, the problem with addiction, I was not addicted, so I can't really describe it. But um, um, some people have ad, uh, are addicted to certain a certain amount of food or a specific uh, like drink whatever yes. I'm not like uh, it's easy for me to just program my brain to say okay I'm not gonna take this like I love coffee I couldn't like coffee brings addiction isn't it <laughs> I'm drinking coffee right now you know a smell of coffee like uh, I, I went crazy. My son gave, gave me this cup. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's amazing. So, but then I said, okay, if let's say if I want to have my baby, because I, I had lots of struggling with my having the baby, then I have to cut it. Yes. Then I said, okay, whenever I try to remember how the smell of coffee is or how I love it, then I said, no, I don't like it. I don't want to have it. So I try to program something in my brain and just replace something else that I really love it. So I definitely quit everything, even tea, coffee, whatever coffee it was. That is strange. Wow, good for you. Very difficult in the beginning, but then I, I, easy, easy to, I could really used to it. But I think, as you said, you're right. The first thing is believing in yourself. Mm -hmm. So if you believe in yourself, you don't need to be addicted to somebody else to calm you down. Yes, that or is so uh, some something else uh, like a food or drink or um, even smoke. I never smoked all my life, and wow. drink like maybe beer or one, one once in a blue moon. Um, so it's maybe I don't drink even wine for for a year, two years. I don't care, you know. So. It, so alcohol, alcohol was never a problem for me. I did not get my father's wow, liver. Perfect. Um, yeah. I cannot hold my alcohol. I'm a cheap drunk. Um, so a couple glasses of wine and I'm all giggles. And give me three or four glasses and I'm asleep. So it's just Yeah, me too. Me too. That's the problem with me. Like I go to sleep, so I one glass of wine, I'm done. Yeah. And you know what? I think that that's one thing that's very important for people to understand is that when we recover from one addiction, it will possibly bring up more than one addiction and a tremendous amount of guilt. So when I had my migraines, the prescription medication became a problem um, because I couldn't drive when I took it. Um, I was on a series of five different medications, depending upon 
Um, so I remember going to my doctor. Um, I went in there one morning uh, without an appointment and I sat in the waiting room until I could get in. And um, the receptionist was so kind. She's like, something's not good. And I'm like, something's really bad and I'll wait here. She's like, okay, um, it may be a little wait. And I said, I've got all day, I'm not going anywhere. And so it was about mm, two hours before I could get in. And I went in and I said to my doctor, I said, I need a prescription for medical marijuana. And he said to me, I'm surprised you didn't ask before. But there was a certain shame for me because I knew that I had smoked so much before. So I went, and this is long before, long before marijuana was legal in Canada. And I went and I was prescribed tinctures. So I took an equal amount of indica and an equal amount of CB of um, sativa. And I was on that for two to three years. And I was amazed. I mean, my dosage went from, you know, a lot down to, I mean, I haven't taken any probably for six months. I don't need it at this point in my life. I've increased the meditation and decreased the medication. Exactly. You know, I always, uh, even for uh, people, I never get drunk, I'm telling you, because I go to sleep after one glass, I'm done. But I see why people go and get drunk or go high. When, when there are lots of um, good style or good method that you can go for meditation why do you do this like i used to uh, socially acceptable drinking is socially acceptable yes oh like it you're right because it's acceptable because what happened when you are drunk what 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 happened to your brain you don't you don't feel your surrounding that's correct. You know, that's that's why you feel that okay, um, you know, I'm good, I feel great. But I found this exact relaxation when I do meditation for like 30 minutes, 15 minutes, you go and relax the whole body and done. You go and to very deep so sleep. Many amazing forms why of why do you need uh, like I can't, you know, I can't really judge for people. They have their own, um, their own justification, why they use it, why they take alcohol or why they take uh, smoking. Yeah. But whenever I feel like uh, I have asthma already. So well, I know if, if I have, if I smoke. No, no, no. But smoking and meditation go hand in hand. So what happens Smoking, I understand that addiction. So what happens is when you take a drag off of a cigarette. Uh-huh. Oh. <laughs> I you're, see. You're breath meditating. in, breath out. Right? Yeah. Same thing. Same with cocaine. Wow, wow. And a, a, a practice cocaine user can inhale from one nose one nostril and then go to the other side. That's when you do two rails. You know what I mean? And that's where I, um, I, I say I am so blessed with 
my addictions because I can understand that. Mm -hmm. I've never used um, meth. I've never used heroin, but I've had so many people in my life that have, that I understand, you know, heroin is like having a warm blanket wrapped around you and the whole world just disappears. Yeah, that's what they need. Like, they're going to be disconnected from their traumas, their problems. Most of the time, there are lots of uh, abusive relationships they had from childhood, or their mind created this. I know a lot of people, they are living in a luxury house. They have a good family. They have, I mean, as we see, it looks good. But inside, there are lots of broken tissues, broken. So much. And and lost years. I have a young man who's a client. He's um, almost 30. And he lost um, an entire year of his memory from when he was 13 to 14 years old, partially because of using drugs partially from running away from home, partially from living in poverty. He literally, for one year of his life, lived on Ichiban noodles, craft um, dinner, and um, granola bars. That's what he had for a oh, year of his life. That's bad. So, oh, it's terrible. So what he's doing now is going back to that year and watching movies to try and remember what was going on in his mind during that time. He, he's one of my most favorite clients because, I mean, we're talking someone that was addicted to so many forms of street drugs, addicted to alcohol, um, had a huge flight response, who is now sober. He's been sober for 90 days he drinks prohibition beer so non-alcoholic beer and he's like you know what it doesn't taste that bad <laughs> but you know um it's interesting i know about that because when the again they come back with the triggers all the p the, all the ptsd traumas they already had they may return to that addic addiction again absolutely the year that he lost was a year that was, there was so much abuse from a parent in his life. Um, there was an incredible amount of abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse, um, financial abuse. I mean, he was 13 years old and um, one of his parents would not give him any money while the other one snuck him money. I mean, the guilt of both, because the guilt of accepting money from one parent, you know, while the other parent isn't, so he felt like he was taking money that he shouldn't have been taking, because it was from the parent that didn't have the same finances that the other parent had, you know, but he's worked through so much. I mean, he's got a long way to go. But I mean, like I said, late 20s, he's still got another, I always say you got another 80 years to go. 
you know, the best thing in addiction is having the great support. Yes. If you are lucky enough to have this support, as they can only listen to what you are going. That's um, all. They yeah. And then uh, sometimes they don't like to listen to advices. They had enough. <laughs> well, and my, my um, I've got short-term clients. Um, so I've got clients that work with me for a seven-day. Um, it's called Recover Your Joy. And that's going to be coming out in big webinars, seven weeks. Um, so the recovery opportunity and then seven months. And when you work with me for seven months, you sign a contract and that contract, um, includes a flagging system. So, um, if you do not turn in your assignments, your homework, um, you get a yellow flag. Um, and, um, so you have to hand in two assignments next week. And if you don't hand in those two assignments, you get a red flag, which means that your sessions are on hold until you complete your homework, but you still have to pay your fees. So I set boundaries. I teach my clients to set boundaries. I teach my clients um, clear communication, integrity, and I, and I still kind of jump around the steps a little bit, the 12 steps, but I do it in such a way that it's, I'm not a rehabilitation program. I'm not rehab. I know, I know. Coaching is totally different. I'm before, and after. I'm before and after, but I'm not rehab. Um, the great thing is you understand exactly yeah. what the, their feeling and the, their addiction, and you know how you can help them. The, prob the good thing is the first step in recovery is that somebody wants to be healed. Absolutely. So take Absolutely. the first step. And uh, some people don't want to take this step because they are much comf comfortable in that hallucination <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. of uh, being high or... And not everybody resonates with a woman either. Yeah. I have had um, clients who have declined to work with me because I am a woman. Um, and that's fine. I call everybody sunshine and honeybee and sweetheart. Um, I had another fellow <coughs> that told me that that was fake. Okay. Um, I... I, I don't turn that off because that is me. I call people kind names. You know, no, no. I think, Nancy, the, the point is when you're going to start the treatment to, with whoever, you, it should be in your heart. Yes. You know, that's what I realized with my own fertility journey because I've been through this uh, different clinics and been through with different acupunctures, you know, when you feel that this person is not talking in, in the same frequency with you, then it doesn't resonate with you. Absolutely. But that's the point. So you have to be comfortable with your client. That's what I do always. So I have PTSD clients, fertility clients, but the first time I talk to them and they do the assessment I know yeah. where they are if they want to continue or 
they are not really comfortable. And the, the great thing is when they are comfortable and you feel the bond between them and yeah. you really wish to help and support them. Yeah. So that's why I'm always open to, to this. Whoever mm-hmm. wish to be recovered by you and in, you can help them to recover then then it's well, coming on your way but if not they, they find their way somewhere else which is exactly. totally fine exactly i can't remember what it's called um it's in the vedic tradition oh i just remembered uh kapha oh my goodness um the different the different doshas the, there's the different doshas um and some of us don't resonate. I'm very, um, I'm very fiery. Um, I'm very airy. And I have a big mom influence. Um, I'm not your mother. I've got enough children. I'm not taking any more on. But I do have that motherly tone at times. I can't off. I'm a mom. <laughs> Nancy, do you have uh, for for last words? Do you have uh, first? Uh, do you have any program or anything you're gonna recommend to my audience? Well, um, through the healing circle, um, I'm going to be doing 25 days of exponential joy beginning on December 1st. Um, I'm going to be interviewing 25 different people. Um, I haven't picked everybody yet. And I will be speaking of 25 essential oils, 25 crystals, as well as the 25 gifts. So this one should go live, should go live before December 1st. Oh, yes. So if, you, if you don't know anything about the healing circle, go to the healing circle. No, no. I mean, this uh, video should go live before December 1st. Yes, it will. It will most definitely. And then I have my meditation CD, which is called One Spirit Enjoy. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Uh, do you think PTSD is recoverable? I think that PTSD is completely recoverable in different layers. I in see. Different, different layers. It's like peeling back an onion, and so many people talk about that. It's not an easy recovery. Um, you need to be consistent. You need to be diligent and you need to find something that resonates with you, but you do need to really, you need to want it more than anything in your life that you use to run away from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Nancy. I like talking to that was really new talk for me. I never talk about addiction. I talked about grief, never talked about addiction. That was new, but I learned a lot from you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here and oh, uh, for what you do. I really respect you <laughs> for Thank what you do and support other people with the grief and um, addiction. Thank you. You know what? It is truly my joy. Yes. It just is. It just is. So thank, thank you. you so, much. so yes. very, very much. Yeah. Have Bye. a good day.